Welcome to the Formula One Funcast, the Formula One podcast where you teach the host everything he needs to know about Formula One racing. I'm James, you're riding on board with me, let's get started. Boy, we've got a lot to talk about today regarding last night's Australian Grand Prix, huh? Race seemingly had more red flags and every person you see out on those dating apps out there, you lonely hearts. So I feel like we should just jump right into it. There's a lot to cover from last night. So uh, let's start here with a little bit of a standings update for you after last night's race. As far as the drivers go, a uh, little movement at the top. We still have Max Verstappen leading the way with 69 points. Sergio Perez, his teammate on Red Bull, just behind him with 54. Fernando Alonso of Aston Martin has 45 points. Lewis Hamilton jumped up a spot to 38 points. And Carlos Sainz rounds out the top five with 20 points. And if we look over to the constructors, no major changes here either. Red Bull still atop the field with 123 points with three wins and five podiums. They've won every race so far this year. Aston Martin, 65 points, three podiums and zero wins. Mercedes, 56 points, Ferrari, 26, and McLaren rounds out the top five with 12 points. But what's really nice to see here is every team has a point at this point in the season. So Williams and Alphatari down there with one point each. Alfa Romeo up to six points, and Haas seven, and Alpine eight points. So pretty nice to see so early in the year. Everybody's getting on the board. Everybody's got a point. Teams can find some silver linings in what's been happening for them early in the year. And um, it's pretty good to see. Pretty good to see every team. Everybody's got a point at least. As far as drivers go, the only two drivers without a point right now would be Williams' Logan Sargent and Alphatari's Nick DeVries. DeVries, DeVries, I never get it right, so if you want to email me in at f1funcast at gmail.com or at f1funcast on Twitter, let me know how to spell the, uh, I'm sorry, how to pronounce Nick DeVries' name. It would be very helpful since, after all, this is the podcast where you're going to help me learn more about the sport that you love. I'm learning. You out there are the, you're the teachers. You're the masters. I, I need you to call in. Write in and uh, text me, however you want to get in touch, and let me know the things I'm missing when I'm watching Formula One, things to look out for, and ways to become a better fan. So with that little bit of uh, housekeeping out of the way, you guys, uh, do you want to talk about it? Do you want to you want to talk about these red flags last night? I mean, three red flags throughout the race, one near the middle of the race and two kind of near the back end. The last one I thought was really interesting. I was trying to figure out where they were going with it um, and how they were going to sort the order. And this is another example of needing needing some backup from you guys out there to let me know what exactly went down. And that third red flag, it seemed like um, we didn't quite get out of the first sector before that crash at the final restart. So... They had to take the standings from the restart and apply them to the rolling restart at the end of the race, with minus the cars that crashed out during that uh, after that third red flag. I think, I think that's right. Um, I'm not entirely sure, 
but that sounds like what, what they did because um, they didn't the, the race didn't quite make it out of sector one so they had to they had to go back to the original grid from previous restart but what did that mean what does what did all those red flags uh, last night mean for everybody and it, it, it's interesting for me I found it really helpful to have these red flags because if you listen to our last podcast it was all about the different flags that can be used during a Formula One race and one that I hadn't seen in a while was the red flag so it was nice to be able to use some of my new knowledge as I've gained from this podcast and apply it to actual racing in real time although we don't like all those red flags we'd like to see some clean racing it was interesting for me to be able to um, how should I say it? to be able to, to apply my knowledge in real time and explain to nobody in particular because I was here watching all by myself last night that uh, I knew what was going on when they waved those flags I knew I knew what it meant it was uh, it was great that's the power of podcasting right I was able to take some information that I learned from uh, one of my Twitter followers here they helped me out we turned it into a podcast and boom next thing you know the next Grand Prix there we are we got three red flags right in our face so it was pretty nice, pretty fun seeing that come together. But the three red flags, and we had one, two, three, four did not finishes. DNFs. We had Kevin Magnuson, George Russell, Alex Albon, and Charles Leclerc not finishing the race last night. And I, I thought I felt particularly bad for Alex Albon. He seemed to be really running a, a great race and a really nice weekend. If you watch the qualifying on. Saturday, although I guess it's hard to figure what day the qualifying was, depending on where you are and where the race was. I think for me it was actually late Friday night. Um, but Alex was having a nice weekend. He was having a, it was a good weekend for himself and for Williams, and he seemed to be running during the qualifying. I mean, he was into Q3, right in the middle of the pack, looking looking pretty strong. And his whole race, his whole Grand Prix, just just. I, I'm not sure what happened there with with Albon, but it just it all disappeared in a flash. It looked like maybe he had a, a soft tire, maybe a little contact on his rear left, I believe it was, that might have caused him some issues. But it was just unfortunate to see, and I'm sure Williams is just heartbroken because uh, I don't know if it was the car setup, the track, or something they found in uh, you know in the wind tunnels that. Um, got Williams a little bit of extra pace this week. I, I suspect it was the track, um, and the track setup was favor- favorable to their car. But again, I'm not sure of that. And if you have any theories about why Alex Albon was running so well all weekend before his uh, crash out, I'd love to hear about it. I'd love to know what your theories were. And it's interesting, isn't it? Because his teammate, Logan Sargent, was down at the bottom of the pack. Really had a tough, tough go of it. So... As much as I'd like to think it's the car, there's a good chance that it could have been Alex himself really getting the most out of it. And you hate to see a guy like uh, Alex and a team like Williams with a car running in the top five have to have to bow out like that. But yesterday was a unique race for everybody, a unique race for pretty much everyone involved. I mean, even Max had a little drama, you know, he, he was out doing his usual cruising around listening to his podcast, uh, you know, calling his family on the on the car, car phone. But uh, when we got that second red flag, we really brought some drama, some drama into his day, didn't we? Um, interesting to hear, too, the first turn at the start of the race, Max was complaining about, complaining about being pushed wide by 
Lewis Hamilton, and it was just, I thought it was just great because Max is known for that maneuver himself, so to get it back a little bit thrown in his direction, and he didn't make much of it after the race, and he didn't make much of it um, after the incident, but to hear him complaining about a move that he's so well known for is really, was really nice. It was like a, akin to your favorite wrestler getting his own finishing move put on him, you know, or someone... Some uh, baseball pitcher who's got a wicked curveball teaching it to someone who strikes his other team out. or I, I don't know. That's probably no good. But um, it was interesting. It was interesting to see Max have to fight a little bit to get back to the front. And then after the second red flag to see Max have to fight to stay in the front. Very interesting. Very, uh, you know, Red Bull had an interesting week themselves with Checo starting in the pit and having to fight his way back. I think, now where did Checo finish? I believe fifth which is a pretty good day, all the way from 20th. Um, but Red Bull certainly doesn't look as overwhelming as they did, you know, just two weeks ago. They, they look like there could be some some flaws, some inter intra-team uh, drama could also be playing into this a little bit, where you take your focus off your, your work and you're focused on the, the team squabbling. Across any sport, I find that to be the case where if a team isn't focused all together on one goal and they're they're bickering with each other or there's internal turmoil, it tends to it tends to sap your results a little bit. It tends to to drag you down and maybe maybe we're seeing a tiny bit of that out of Red Bull. You know, I heard I heard talk today, I was listening to a good podcast, and there's talk that Red Bull might be uh, considering Danny Ricardo for next year or going forward to replace Sergio if it's just not working with Sergio. I heard there was uh, good pace coming out of Dan, Danny Rick out of the simulators. And the frustration with Sergio is clearly evident on, uh, along the team wall. So it should be interesting. I'm sure Red Bull will pull it back together and get themselves right. But just, you know, the, the team that looked like the invincible Death Star seems to have a, a spot or two, that, uh, they, a weak spot or two. And it's just interesting to me. Um, and I think with those weak spots, I think there's a chance this year for Fernando Alonso to get a win. I think Fernando Alonso, after these all these decades, and and you know his last win, I think was the 1947 uh, Grand Prix in Bahrain. <laughs> no, but I mean, it's I think it's been about a decade since since Fernando's won a race, from what I heard, and I'd love to see him up there because, to be honest, since I've started my my Formula One fandom, and I've started gaining this knowledge. It's been all Max, Max and Lewis, Lewis and Max, and it sure would be nice to see Fernando get up there and um, get up, you know, get a P1, end up, end up in the center of the podium. I think it would be great. It would be great for him. It would be great for Aston Martin and Formula One. And boy, I didn't. Uh, who would have seen this coming for? Uh, for Aston Martin this year, except for Fernando Alonso, huh? Because it took some some faith for him to make that jump to Aston Martin, and it certainly seems like he made a good decision, even if it was a bit, um, even if it was a bit risky at the time. It certainly seems to have paid off for Fernando and for the team. I think the team putting their their faith in in Alonso and giving him the the maneuverability he needs and the say-so and the, I think it's been a great move and, and I'd love to see Fernando up on uh, 
the top of a podium one of these weekends instead of Max or Red Bull or even Mercedes. I'd love to see love to see an Aston Martin car up there. I think that would be pretty pretty great. And uh, boy, he knows how to pull out. He knows how to pull out those podiums, though, doesn't he? He, um, Fernando, I think after that last red flag, he was looking at a P11 finish. But because of, like we talked about, the way they had to restart it, because they didn't get into Sector 2, he was right back, he was put right back to third, and they did that little uh, drive around, little parade lap at the end there, and he finished third. Which is really, he's really finding all sorts of ways to pull out uh, podium finishes, which I think is great. It's great for him. It's great for the team. It's great for the sport. But boy, it would be it would be nice to see him just get a nice clean victory because as smoothly as everything's going for Red Bull, seemingly, they, like we said, there's some there's some stuff going on behind the scenes that could open the door to some other teams grabbing some number one P1 finishes here in 2023. Another team I thought looked pretty strong all weekend was uh, McLaren. thought McLaren had a really nice uh, go of it over the weekend. And Oscar Piastri, the hometown boy, I believe he ended up with his first Formula One point at the uh, at the end there after all the chaos had been cleared. I think Oscar Piastri coming away with a point was pretty nice for McLaren and um, Again, I'm hoping with McLaren in the same way I was hoping for Alex Albon and the Williams that these are real gains and not gains added by outside factors like track conditions or something along those lines. Um, But it's hard to say, and we won't really be able to tell for a few more weeks until we won't be able to we won't be able to dig too much deeper into it. I mean, like I would like to be a Formula One chart nerd. I would like to know all the the details of every high speed and low speed corner in the every circuit. It's going to take some time to get there. So right now, what I'm doing is watching with my eyeballs, and I feel the same way my wife must have felt when I taught her all about baseball, American baseball. You know, I just kind of eyes open, looking at it, cheering for the things that I can understand. But over time, I hope that um, that knowledge base will grow and. That's why I'm doing this. I want to hear from people who have good, good ideas. You can point me in the direction of your favorite Formula One podcast or YouTube channel or articles to read or anything like that is uh, why I'm doing this. I want to go from being a noob to someone who actually knows a little bit what he's talking about. So, again, if you know any, uh, have any good sites, any recommendations, send them along my way at F1 Funcast on Gmail or Twitter. Um, But with that said, I just, I thought last night was a lot of fun. You know, I I hope you did too. I hope that's why we watch, right? We're watching for for a fun race. And sometimes these races can be a slog when Max is out by, you know, he's gaining a second per lap and the podium positions are are already essentially nailed down halfway through the race. I thought last night gave us a, a nice change of pace. And I don't know how you feel about the red flags coming out just for gravel, just for debris on the, on the track but it certainly made for what was an interesting final you know hour of race watching for me at least um and i understand the red flags coming out for debris but i always thought that that's kind of what they had the safety car for to kind of throttle things 
down for everybody and allow the, the cleanup crews to kind of work in the sectors where the cars are not. Um, I'm not sure if this is something that the FIA is changing. They want to just take every precaution and not allow anyone on the track while cars are out to race. Or why they seemed a little quick on those red flags, in my opinion. But then again, I think safety should always be the the priority. And it was just interesting, too, at the end of the race, after that red flag, how they still finished. And we still went around and did our fifth, 58th lap. But there was no passing because we're behind a safety car. And there was no... We just had to finish the race. I mean... Could you imagine if there was some engine trouble or somebody broke down during that last parade lap? That would have been something. But I was I was certain, being the new fan that I am, I was certain that they were not going to restart the race. I was I was sure they were going to say the race would not be restarted. But then, listening to everybody talking about it, it does make sense, right? You if you can finish the game, you finish the game. If you can finish the race, you finish the race. You don't pull the plug just because it's almost over. You know, you gotta go out there and finish. You gotta a swimmer can't just stop halfway through a lap and say, Oh, I'm far enough ahead, you know? So I it was interesting watching the reactions on Twitter and um, people didn't like it. People didn't like the red flags, but I'll tell you I did. Um, if only because it, it brought the competition, it's, it's like a great equalizer in the middle of the race. Now, is that fair to your race leader? Probably not. Is that something you want happening every weekend? Again, probably not. But for one weekend here with, with Max so far out ahead, those red flags pulled him back to the field. It was, it was fun. It, it gave us some interesting, high-quality racing there near the end of the race. Usually we see those those uh that kind of racing the first few laps and then it kind of dissipates and you're looking for moves in the drs zones and things like that but i thought that the red flag restarts really put a lot of pressure on those first two two three turns again in uh in australia so by the way can we talk about albert park that place has anyone had any more fun than the people that were at albert park this weekend I mean, I was following along on Twitter. I was on, you know, all the all the sites, all the social media. And boy, they, they look like they know how to do it right down there. Everyone seemed to be having a nice time. Good racing, beautiful place. Interesting weather patterns. You can't predict it too far ahead. Keeps everybody on their toes. But boy, those, those Aussies really, really know how to have a good time. And I thought it was a lot of fun seeing Daniel Ricciardo making a bit of a homecoming for Red Bull almost in like his uh, senior spring or something. You know, there's no pressure on him to perform necessarily, so he got to soak up all the love from his hometown fans, and that was really nice to see. Being the third driver on Red Bull certainly has his perks. I don't know if you saw it. He was driving one of the old, I forget what year it was, the RB9, I think, maybe. He was driving it around the Outback. There's some great stuff on... um, on the internet of Daniel Ricardo taking the old Red Bull F1 car all over Australia and, and getting some great shots. It was fun to watch, and nobody has more fun than that guy. And I'm telling you, I'm telling you right now, as of right now, if there was a track, if there was a race I could go to, it probably, as it stands, would be Albert Park in Australia. It just They look like they're having such a good time. Old-fashioned barbecues and cookouts, and I'm sure the sobriety was questionable and um it just looked like a great time now 
I'm planning on traveling to Las Vegas for this year's Vegas Grand Prix. I have friends in the city, so I'll be trying to uh, hook up with them and see if they want to come out and check out some free practice or qualifying sessions. Not sure if I'll make it to the race itself, but um, really looking forward to just being out there for the Grand Prix. And uh, does anyone know if you're hearing this? I'm going to look later too, but has there been a Grand Prix in Las Vegas before? Is that something, um, or is this all new? You know, for me out here on the West Coast of the United States, where the closest Grand Prix before this was Austin, Texas, or probably, yeah, Austin, I suppose, or Miami. Those are the two Grand Prix here in the States. It's a big thrill to have a race coming a lot closer to me and uh, to be able to get out there and check out these cars and these drivers and see uh, see what a Formula One weekend is like for a fan. I have a feeling it's a lot like a football weekend, a uh, NFL, college football type of tailgating party atmosphere, people having a good time. People just there for the environment as much as they are for the actual game. And I'm hoping that's the case uh, when we get there because I love to tailgate, love to go hang out at these events. And a lot of times the um, the party surrounding the event is just as much, if not more fun, in my opinion, than uh, than the race or the, or the game or whatever it is you're going to yourself. Everyone's been there, right? Where you had a great time out tailgating at your car in the parking lot with your friends and then you go to the show and it's kind of lame and you realize the best part of the whole event was hanging around putting down a couple of beverages or just spending time with your family outside of the actual arena rather than uh, going to the event itself now that's not to say that i think formula one is going to be like that i think if i you know if i was going to go to the race day race sunday I would have just as much fun, if not more fun, than a tailgater um, in that situation. You know, for me, I really am into uh, learning about the sport, learning more about racing, learning more about Formula One, the history of it, and the future of it, and where it's headed, and where it's going. And uh, at those tailgates, you know, if you come to Vegas and you're there, I'm going to try to find you to come chat up and talk about and I want to hear about your favorite team and your favorite driver and your favorite driver of all time your favorite driver currently I'll be there we'll be there it's uh, in November this year so we got a little time to look forward to it but should be a lot of fun I'm really looking forward to that so um, we've got another two weeks off until our next race I believe we're going to Baku in two weeks two three weeks even so Uh, Expect to hear a few weekly pit stop pods from me this week and expect more content regarding the rules and regulations surrounding F1. If you have any ideas for um, future topics, future things that can happen during a race that you think might be a good podcast, please let me know at f1funcast at gmail.com or on Twitter at f1funcast. I'd love to talk about all your ideas. If there's a particular person from Formula One history that you'd like to hear about, or if there's a track that you, you just love, or an innovation, or a change, or a team. All of these things are on the on the table, and you just let me know what it is you want to talk about, and I will, uh, I'll be all over it. Lo- I need the research. I need the homework. So I'd really love to uh, 
love to hear from you guys about what the next steps in growing my Formula One fandom should be. I'm not an expert. I'm not pretending to be. I'm not a perfect podcaster. I'm not pretending to be. This is going to be something that grows over a long period of time. It's something that I enjoy. And if you're listening to this, I'm sure it's something that you enjoy as well. So, um, yeah, it's it was a lot of fun yesterday, the, the Australian Grand Prix, the Aussie, uh, Aussie GP. And I'm really looking forward to Baku in a couple weeks. But between now and then, we're going to fill up some airwaves with some history of Formula One and some innovations of Formula One and things like that. So please just uh, email in, let me know, and I'd love to... If you do, I'll shout you out on the on the podcast, and I'll, I'd love to have you come on as a guest or as a uh, second host. We could use a second host in here. Right now, it's just me and my cat, and she is not the biggest fan of Formula One. So, um, if you're listening to this, thank you again for listening, and keep your ears open for next week when we'll be coming back with another pit stop pod between Australia and Baku. Thank you so much for listening, everybody. We'll see you next time.